In this special episode of InTech Today, we talk about allegedly bogus deals on Amazon Prime Day, concerns from small online retailers in the US, good electric car news, and the fact that Netflix is stealing our sleep. My name's Josh White, and this is a special bonus hiatus between seasons episode of InTech Today. Yes, hello and welcome to that special bonus hiatus between seasons episode of InTech Today. I am Josh, like I said, and I'm hosting alone today. No Ed, but that's okay because we've got a few pieces of news to discuss from the last couple of weeks and uh, some other updates on the podcast. For those of you who have been listening for a while, you'll know we formally ended season one after 20 episodes a few weeks ago. So I'm also here to update you uh, on season two. I can promise you we are building up to our second season. We'll likely begin that season next month. Uh, If you're only here for that update on how we're doing, you can skip ahead to the end of the podcast now. Skip through the news if you fancy it, but I would recommend sticking around. So for now, on with the show. Firstly, we're going to talk about Amazon Prime Day. You may have heard about it. You may have seen some advertising for it, especially if you're in the US or the UK. It happened back on the 11th of July. I won't give you the full explanation of it because in the days leading up to the sale, Amazon was really milking that PR machine. Here's a report from ABC News in the US. The big holiday sales ahead for online shoppers with some deals better than Black Friday. Amazon Prime Day and other big promotions about to start. ABC's Marcy Gonzalez on some ways you might get a jump on hefty discounts right now. On this holiday weekend, shoppers are out searching for sales. There's always a great sale, and I'm always looking for something to buy. But some say the real shopping holiday is still a week away. Amazon promising Prime Day will be bigger than Black Friday. Starting at 9 p.m. July 10th and continuing for 30 hours, the online retail giant discounting hundreds of thousands of items and offering lightning deals up to every five minutes. So based on that, it sounds like an exciting time to get a good deal, right? Except it wasn't, because this is one of those made-up shopping holidays. It's a a bit like Cyber Monday, or how we perceive Black Friday here in the UK. Basically, Amazon touts Prime Day as an annual day of amazing discounts and specials that are only available to Prime members. For Amazon, it's a double whammy. They get to entice a bunch of new Prime members and extract their £79 or $99 per member from them. And they get a whole lot of new and existing Prime members to spend money that they may not otherwise have been planning to spend. They've done it for a couple of years now, but this year, almost immediately after the specials began appearing on the Amazon website, there was concern coming out of the US that the specials appearing didn't exactly appear as enticing as Amazon and their PR might have led us to believe. The first report came from North Carolina-based company Remedies, that's spelt R-E-M-O-D-E-E-Z, which produces and sells non-toxic deodorizers for shoes and bags. The company's founder, Jason Jacobs, told media that the recommended retail price for his product is $9.99, and that's been the RRP since 2015 uh, through an agreement he's had with Amazon. But according to Jacobs, his product was bumped in price to $15.42 without his knowledge just before Prime Day, only to be dropped back to the regular price of $9.99 during the sale. 
Uh, and that's not all. YouTuber HWYLNateM posted this video in which he noticed two popular electronics products being sold as Prime Day specials when they were available from their manufacturers at a manufacturer's retail price that was exactly the same as the Prime Day special. All right, Amazon. We all use this incredible e-commerce website. I found two items, and I'm guessing there's more, within the Prime Day sale that were listed at the same price that they could be bought through their company's store. Those items were the GoPro Session, which was on sale for $149 on Amazon, and I found it on the GoPro store for a re its regular price of $149. The second item I found was the Bose SoundLink Mini Bluetooth Speaker 2, which was on sale for $129 on Amazon, and its regular price on the Bose store was also $129. So the allegation is that Amazon was bumping up prices in the days leading up to Prime Day only to make things appear like very good deals on Prime Day itself. That's sneaky and quite misleading, right? But there's something I noticed with all the Prime Day furor. All of the criticism of Amazon was coming out of the US, even though Prime Day was just as heavily promoted here in the UK, where Amazon has a similar presence as it does in the States. Now, I did check Amazon on Prime Day. Of course I did. I like a bargain as much as the next person. What I did notice back on July the 11th was that the deals just didn't seem very good. There was a pound or two knocked off on some products here and there. But with the glaring exception of massive discounts off Amazon-branded products, your Echo speakers, your Kindle e-readers, your Fire tablets, there just weren't many big bargains. I also did a bit of investigating, naturally, because I wanted to know if Amazon had uh, practiced similarly sly things that they were alleged to have done in the US over their pricing on Prime Day. So using the brilliant tool that is Camel, 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 and I would recommend it to anyone who shops on Amazon, uh, it lets you check the history of prices on any products that you might buy on Amazon. I found something interesting on a selection of a few electronics products, that Amazon's discounts on Prime Day in the UK weren't very good, but they didn't inflate the prices beforehand either. Now, consumer protection laws in the UK and the European Union in general are much stronger than the US, and it is technically illegal to inflate prices only to make a sale look more appealing than it actually is, because that will be considered a misleading sales practice. So the good news is Amazon didn't do that. They didn't break the law, at least here in the UK. It just meant that the sales didn't sound as good as they were. Now, what also struck me about the fallout from Prime Day was the fact that many US-based commenters on places like Reddit were claiming that they expected nothing less from Amazon as, according to them, all the big retailers pull similar stunts. So here's my take on the whole thing. Amazon Prime Day was crap in the UK unless you were buying an Amazon-branded product. And it was probably because our consumer protection laws prevented Amazon from pulling any fast ones with the prices. Now, is that an argument for better consumer protection laws in the US? I will leave that one up to you. But it does lead me very nicely on to our next topic. We're staying with Amazon for now. This story is more recent, only coming out last week, and it's to do with the way Amazon handles returns. 
At the moment, there are two different ways products are listed on Amazon, and that's not changing. There are those that are fulfilled by Amazon, which means Amazon has them in their warehouses and uses their logistics chain to get it to the customer. And then there are marketplace items, which are sold and shipped by a third party, simply using Amazon as the storefront, so to speak. Now, Amazon is very well known in both the US and the UK and other areas it operates in for its very lenient returns policy. On all of the fulfilled by Amazon items, they will accept a return within 30 days for any reason. That essentially lets you trial a product in your own home for a month before deciding if it's right for you. Now, Amazon says it wants to ensure customers get the same level of service no matter whether they buy a fulfilled by Amazon product or a marketplace product which is sold and shipped by a third party. So it's told its marketplace sellers in the last week that they must start accepting those any reason returns within 30 days of delivery. That has caused another furor in the US, not from customers this time, but from small business owners. They have told media that they will be quote-unquote crushed by these new rules, as they say they're far too lenient on consumers and will add unnecessary costs to the way they do business. But again, I get a bit iffy on this whole thing, because here in the EU, and I know we're comparing laws a bit here today, but I think it's important when it comes to Amazon. Here in the EU, any retailer doing business online, any retailer must accept any reason returns under something that's called the distance selling regulations. The thinking behind it is that you don't have the same opportunity to inspect an item for quality or suitability online as you would if you were in a bricks and mortar store, an actual traditional store. You get to see the product, feel the product, check the specs, talk to salespeople. You don't get the same chance online. So the EU says you should be given a chance to inspect and trial a product at home before accepting or rejecting it. So like I say, in the EU, it's the law, which means that all sellers on Amazon in Europe already have to follow these rules. And believe it or not, these laws, which have been in place in the UK for many years, have not crushed small businesses. I would be surprised, actually, if it's helped them, because the opportunity to return an unwanted item for any reason can actually help convert a simple browser into a customer, because it takes a lot of risk out of the transaction. If you know you can receive it and then decide within a certain amount of time to send it back without having to give a reason you're probably more likely to buy it. So I think this is a good move from Amazon, and anything to protect the consumer is obviously a positive. I'll always, I mean, I'm a tech consumer myself, I'll always advocate for the consumer. So something tells me this won't crush small businesses no matter how much they insist it will, and I hope it really does, um, I hope it's a great success for Amazon in the US, and I hope consumers make the most of that. To electric car news now, uh, and a new record distance was set by a Tesla just recently, in fact, over the last few days, apparently proving that distance anxiety is becoming a thing of the past. Now, distance anxiety has been a major factor in the very slow uptake of all electric cars so far. All electric as opposed to hybrid, you know, all electric being a car that only runs on electricity. With a combustion engine, you can drive for hundreds of miles, really, and usually you'll find a place to fill up if you need to go further. But with electric cars, most of them so far have had much smaller maximum distances and there haven't been enough charging stations to rely on, not like gas stations. Even if you do stumble across a charge point, 
you're likely going to have to wait multiples of hours to fully charge the mammoth battery again. Obviously, batteries in these cars are huge. But on Friday, the Tesla Owners Italia Group, which is a Tesla car club in Italy, said they drove a Model S 100D a total distance of 1,078 kilometres. That's 670 miles, which I think we can all agree is a long way to drive an electric car. Now take that with a grain or two of salt. It took the car 98.4 kilowatt hours of energy to do that distance, which is almost twice the usual efficiency of the Model S. But I will say headlines like this are encouraging. It shows inroads are being made to ensure electric cars can go the distance. So if we keep making this progress and we combine that with the proliferation of fast charging points in many countries, hopefully it means that explosion of electric vehicles that we've been promised for so many years could maybe one day, hopefully soon, be a reality. And finally, a question I'm pretty sure I already know the answer to. Are you getting your eight hours of sleep a night? I know I'm not, and based purely on statistics, you probably aren't either. In rather concerning, yet at the same time, not at all surprising research out of the UK this weekend, it looks like far too many of us are forgoing sleep in favour of binge-watching our favourite shows late at night. Are you guilty? I'm guilty. Binge-watching is, of course, the new thing with TV shows. Uh, Since House of Cards debuted on Netflix in 2013, it's become more and more common for entire seasons of a television program to be dumped onto streaming services like Netflix or Amazon Prime Video all at once, which means you can access all the episodes in as long or as short a time as you like. Even traditional broadcasters like the BBC and Channel 4 have gotten on the act with some of their productions. But according to this new research from Ofcom, which is the Office of Communications that regulates broadcasting telephones and the internet in the UK, a similar function to the FCC in the US. Now, Ofcom says around 10 million Brits have either skipped on sleep or at least become excessively tired because of binge watching. It says more than half of adults watch back-to-back episodes of the same TV show at least once a month, with a third of those admitting to losing sleep as a result. Pretty stark figures, but those figures become even more alarming among young people. Again, alarming, but not surprising. 82% of 16 to 24-year-olds watch back-to-back episodes, and 1 in 10 of them say they binged every single day. Somewhat encouragingly, almost half of them, 47%, claim they've tried to cut down on their binging, although we're not entirely sure how successful they've been. Of course, people have always stayed up late to enjoy broadcast media. This is not a new phenomenon uh, from having a wireless, you know, the radio next to your bed with an earpiece, listen to the news late in the evening, to watching whatever comes on after the news at 10 on traditional television. But at least with that traditional linear broadcast media, there are natural points at which you can turn it off, be that a commercial break or a change to a new show that you don't actually enjoy. The danger with streaming media, of course, is that as soon as one episode ends, another one begins. And once you've finished a season, the streaming service knows your habits and what you like and dislike intimately and will suggest something else that you'll probably quite enjoy. It's like a massive all-you-can-eat buffet. Have as much as you want, spend as long as you want there, even if it makes you feel like utter rubbish afterwards. And we know that all-you-can-eat buffets are not good for everyday eating don't we? Now maybe this is alarmist, maybe things aren't that bad, I don't really know. All I know is we probably could all be getting a bit more sleep and these streaming services definitely aren't helping.
And of course, now the bit you've all been waiting for. What the hell is happening with InTech today? Well, I can tell you that since season one ended, we have not been resting on our laurels. There is a new season in the pipeline, like we promised in episode 20 of season one. It's going to be a season of 10 episodes, so a shorter season, but with meatier content. Uh, It's going to be released, uh, recorded and released weekly, with each episode focusing on a specific technology theme. Every episode will also have a panel with a guest to discuss the topic at hand. And as always, we'll bring you the latest tech news, we'll answer your questions, the techno dinosaurs still going to be there. So everything you know and love will remain, but it will be better. Uh, The second question is with regards to Ed. Where is he on this particular special hiatus bonus episode, you ask? Well, listener, I can tell you he's not here today, as you can tell, but we are working hard on ensuring he can join us for the second season. Uh, Things are looking positive. I can say that much. In all things going to plan, you'll have a confirmation and hear his voice again very soon. If you've got any suggestions for the new season or any questions or you just want to share your personal issues, please do tweet us. We are still at Pod. I am still at J-W-O-O-O-T and Ed is still at SwiftyNZ. And that has been this bonus hiatus episode of InTech Today. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you'll stick with us as we build up to the second full series. Any update or any news, we will make sure we put it out first and foremost on the podcast. So keep an eye on your podcast app. And uh, we'll also update you on Twitter. We look forward to hearing from you. We look forward to speaking with you again in a full capacity at Season 2. And until then, stay classy. Hosting and sponsorship provisioning for this show was provided by Blog Talk Radio. It was a production of Parktown Studios in London.